and welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to build a life in alignment with your soul. I'm your host, Kitty Waters, serial entrepreneur and co-creator of the Network for Transformational Leaders. Each week, I interview top thought leaders that are changing the world. They share their life stories on tips on how you can find your purpose. We all have a gift we can bring to the world. Do you feel dead to life? Like there's more to it, but you don't know where to start. Perhaps you don't fit in and you can't understand why. Are you pushing all the time and getting nowhere? Do you long to finally be sure which is the right path for you? This podcast is sponsored by my Do Your Dharma course. This eight-week online course, self-study, shows you how to find your purpose. The course demystifies the subject of Dharma and shows you that by following your highest excitement, you can unlock your greatest potential and create the life of your dreams. Go to www.kittytalks.com forward slash do your Dharma. Without further ado, let's dive into the next episode. Welcome to this week's episode of Kitty Talks. This week, I interview a lady called Alexis Pierce. She is a soul strategist. How cool is that? She's also a spiritual mentor to people seeking their soul's purpose. In this episode, you are going to hear how she has transitioned as working for a strategist for the government into the work she does today. Nothing is by chance. You are always being led to your purpose. And Alexis is another fantastic example of this. But how do we go from having no idea what we're supposed to do on the earth to being full of meaning? Well, my Do Your Dharma course is relaunching at the end of the summer. We currently have a group of women going through it who are making fantastic strides in their development. They are on fire. In the course, we will get you clear on why you came to earth. We will help you, give you a bag of tools that you can navigate life going forward. So even when there's challenges and bumps in the road, we look at your limiting beliefs that's holding you back and we give you a clear roadmap of how to get from A to B to do your Dharma. So if you're interested in joining us at the end of the summer, we are taking applications now. So you can PM me on Instagram, kitty underscore talks.com. Find me on Facebook, kittytalks.com. But yeah, let me know that you're interested. As I said, we're going to be taking applications as of now and we're going to be open till the end of the summer. Without further ado, let's dive in to my interview with Alexis. So welcome to Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create your own life. And today I have a very wonderful guest with me, Alexis Pierce. She is a lady after my own heart. She helps people live their soul's calling. She's a soul strategist, which I love, and spiritual mental. So Alexis, welcome to Kitty Talks. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation. 
<laughs> so I found Alexis on Facebook. She actually um, commented on a post that I put up. And I, you know, as you do on Facebook, I went off and I looked at what she does and her work. And I listened to a couple of her podcasts and I listened to a couple of her interviews. And I thought, wow, she is an amazing lady, a soul strategist. We have to get on the show. So Alexis, would you mind sharing with our audience a little bit more about what you do, who you are and what you do in the world? Yeah, thank you. Um, so I'm a strategist by training. You know, many of us who are in in a coaching realm, we had previous careers. And so mine was as a strategist in the US government, where I did high level strategy for responding to complex crises. So things like Afghanistan or domestic crises, emergencies. Um, and by high level strategy, I mean things like the highest level, like US, you know, Homeland Security strategy, things like that. So big picture, big vision thinking. And even though I left the government to pursue other interests, you, you really can't take the strategist out of the girl, you know, it's still there. So I ended up doing a lot of the same type of work, this visioning work with individuals who own businesses. And what I realized over time is that your highest level vision for yourself is really your soul's vision of the world, which mm. perfectly blended all my interests in um, yoga and meditation and metaphysical practices as well. So it was really a beautiful blending. So what I do now is I, I use the same strategic template that we came up with after, you know, years and years of research in the government. And I adapted it to individuals to do really high level visioning for what is your soul here to experience in the world? Why are you a different person than me? You know, we're both human. And I believe that humans are here to love and be loved. But what's your special version of love and be loved? And what's my special sauce version of love and be loved? And then what is that how do we then take that into tangible action? Because so many of us, it's easy to go to the action and it's easy to think of the vision, but that space in between is where we can get all bungled up. So using a real strategic template to help us navigate those pieces between our big vision in the world and how we live it on a daily basis so that our lives feel meaningful and really fulfilling. Wow. So uh, it sounds to me like you kind of help people break down the actual physical steps to take them from A to B from, to get to their highest vision. Exactly. Exactly. And the vision is the easy part. For most of us, it's actually, it's actually doing the things that make us feel happy and fulfilled because mm. we don't necessarily know what they are. We may have thoughts of what makes us happy, but being happy and, and being fulfilled on a soul level are actually very different things. Um, so many people say, oh, I really want to know my purpose. And I say, do you or do you really want to have meaning in your life? Because mm -hmm. knowing your purpose is sort of like, a, oh, now I know it. It's an intellectual endeavor. But knowing how to create meaning on a day-to-day -day basis is a very different beast. And it, it, it invites you to take action that actually feels good. And feeling good can be really scary. It's like, oh, are we allowed to choose things that feel mm. good? Are we allowed to do this? So that's really where the majority of the work is, is in that breaking our own beliefs around what's possible. And if we're allowed to just be ourselves in a really vibrant and, and beautiful way in the world. And that is so true because I think the word purpose gets totally misconstrued. Like you said, if people go, I want to know my purpose, but actually what they're looking for is some sense of deeper meaning and fulfillment, really. Yeah. And a lot of people confuse purpose with job title. And for me, I say, well, then does a kid not have a purpose? Does somebody who's retired not have a purpose? Does somebody who is not able to work in ways that we view as traditional not have a purpose? Like, uh, purpose is more than our job, right? It's it's who we are. It's what we embody. It's what we bring to the planet just by the inherent fact of being alive. And 
knowing that would always be high level, right? It would always be something that's just beyond actionable in the way we're looking for. So I think you're right. It's, it's how we then take that knowingness and create meaning from it through mm-hmm. our careers, through our relationships, through our hobbies, through the way that we speak and show up and interact. That's what really gives us a purposeful life. Mm, beautiful. And then um, take us back because one of the things we love to do on Kitty Talks is explain the person's uh, transition because I think a lot of people listening to this podcast are in that transition. You know, they might be still in their corporate job. They might be just waking up to the fact that it's not fulfilling them. And what I'd love you to do, Alexis, if you don't mind, is talk us through your uh, breakthrough effectively. Because obviously you were in this amazing, sounds like a very amazing high level job. Were you doing all your yoga and everything on the side? Or how did the two come together? Yeah, uh, you know, it's so fascinating because anybody who's in it, it feels like a big mush, right? Like it's a big mushy stew that has like 200 ingredients in it. And my story is no different. There's so many pieces that I could point to. But some of the bigger ones that I see now in retrospect that are coming out is that I, I really knew from a young age that peace mattered to me. I had a minister when I was probably 12 or 13 who said, just choose one thing, choose one issue. And I said, no guns because I want to, I believe in world peace. And I took that quite literally as a teenager would, right? So I went into this anti-government, anti, or not anti-government, anti-crisis, like conflict resolution space. Mm. And the more I was there, I was able to have that moment of, of separation between my work and myself where I would have this incredibly fulfilling job that I thought was doing great things in the world. And then I'd come home and look at myself in the mirror and say, my relationships are a mess. My health is a mess. My self-esteem is non-existent. If you know, and if it's there, it's a mess. And my neighborhood had violence all around me. And I thought, what where is peace in this? I might be creating it in this foreign environment over here in a hypothetical way, but where is the peace here? And I was very lucky at that point to have a doctor actually who recommended um, yoga as a way to strengthen and de-stress because I was quite stressed. And so I started yoga just as a personal, really physical journey for myself. Um, but knowing that this sort of peace was always there and, you know, quitting, quitting your career and taking a big leap is, is a decision that, you know, not to take lightly, right? In many ways, it was the easiest decision I ever made. Yeah. And people say, oh, well, was it hard to quit? No, quitting was simple. I knew I wanted to leave. That was, that was simple, easy decision, but it's all the things around it. And in the U.S., it's things like healthcare. It's things like I had to sell my house, which means I had to renovate my house, but I didn't have money to renovate my house. So, you know, it's all these little circles that I had, uh, pickles, I felt very trapped. I felt very, very trapped yeah. by my life. And so many and, people do. That's the thing. We get stuck in the fear. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I, I just narrowed it down as a strategist would to what's the thing that makes me feel trapped? And I said, well, I have this big giant bill of a mortgage. Okay. Well, if I didn't have a mortgage, would I be willing to take higher risks? And because I was single at the time, I was able to say, okay, let's get rid of the house. So I worked for a year to scrape every penny to renovate that house, sell it by a miracle. Literally the person showed up out of the blue. Um, never even had to list it, sold the house. And then I house sat, I house sat for two and a half years. So I I didn't have that consistent bill, which bought me time to really think about what I wanted to do. That's an incredibly brave thing to do. Yeah. Not for everybody. Yeah. 
And so you housed that for two and a half years. Um, and during, I presume during that time, you used that time with the lack of bills over your head to just go and explore what you wanted to do. Yeah, I did a lot of personal healing, particularly around my diet. Um, I moved to New Zealand. I'm wearing my silver fern earrings. <laughs> um, moved to New Zealand and Australia. Spent a lot of time just what, rediscovering what I called my soul's laugh. And I say that because one day a laugh came out of me that I didn't recognize. And I realized that I had tuned into a deeper sense of joy that was unrelated to whether or not something was funny. It was that I was happy. And that, oh, it was such a beautiful moment. I wanted to just keep pulling that thread. Like, what else is there? Oh, that's, I got real goosebumps when you was describing that story. Because I think so many of us, it, you know, myself included, has been there. We kind of live this life that we feel we should be living. And society tells us we should be living. But yet, deep down inside, it's empty and meaningless. And we just are not enjoying it. So to, to make take such bold action was incredible. Yeah. And it was, I, I loved my job. I loved everything about it. And that's what I think a lot of us, we hate our jobs or we want to get away from it. But I wasn't that person. I loved the people I worked with. I loved my career. I thought it was brilliant in every way, but I was showing up as empty and meaningless, even if the work wasn't. And that's no way to feel about your day-to-day life. And I remember saying, I kept a journal for a year and every day in the journal, I asked myself, Today is the first day of the rest of my life. How will I celebrate? Because I was living for Friday. I was absolutely living for Friday. And I thought, Tuesday is my life too. How will I celebrate that today is the first day of the rest of my life? And I, I kid you not, half the time it was, I took a deep breath. I had fresh strawberries. I went for a walk. Like these were not big things. But it was the beginning of me reclaiming my own power over how I felt about my life and how I showed up for myself. Mm. And I'm a huge believer in our purpose is unveiled to us. When we take that bold action, when we go towards what it is that we love, um, it's almost like the universe has got our back. So can you explain to me how you have, obviously that two and a half years, it was a transition point, but where did the idea of actually being a soul strategist come from? Talk to me about the breadcrumb trail that you followed. Yeah, well, you know, everything happens at the same time, right? So even though I was in this incredible career in the government, I was actually leading a book group on self-development books. And I knew going into the government that I was going to leave it at some point to do this deeper self-development work. And I'd made a five-year pact with myself. So, you know, everything's happening all at the same time. So when I left the government, I thought, you know, what I'd really love to do is set up a community space where people can come and provide um, support and encouragement and ideas to each other. Turns out that's pretty much what Facebook does, but I really wasn't on Facebook at the time. <laughs> so I thought, oh, I've got to create this whole big thing. So when I was living in New Zealand, I was trying to build this sort of blog capability and I was getting in touch with bloggers in Australia and going to conferences, and but at the same time teaching yoga because that's what I was doing to get out and about and make a little spending money here and there. And I ended up just speaking with a lot of my friends who were business owners. And I'd say, you know, you're clearly getting stuck in the day-to-day fires of your business. Why don't I help you with some strategic planning, some strategic visioning? So I just ended up doing these plans for people that I knew. And it worked so well. When I moved back to the States, I, I um, joined an, sort of an online program and met all these people. And even though it wasn't, again, what I intended to do, 
I knew I had this skill set that could help people. So I just started offering it. Like I can help you get clear on what you're here to do. I can help you get clear on your message. I can help you get clear on why you can't pick one of your 200 skill sets that all excite you. It's because they're all part of you, but we can bring them together on an umbrella. So sort of backed into the work. Um, and you know, that's like, so a common success story, right? Like, Oh, I just backed, it just happened to me and I backed into it, but I backed into it kicking and screaming. I didn't want to be a business coach. I didn't want to do strategic, you know, coaching on that level. I didn't want to do, I wanted to have deep conversations about the meaning of life and God, like <laughs> period. And so I really resisted it and I actually didn't let my business grow. <laughs> like I didn't want to talk, you know, go there. So, and I was, I was feeling very bifurcated in myself between this part of me that felt really peaceful and deeply knowledgeable just inherently and the part of me that had to prove myself through being a strategist mm. and that sort of push the constant back and forth of how do I have to show up and how do I have to appear and how do I have to position myself? It was really exhausting and it, and it ate away at my confidence. Um, and it's only in the last, I would say six months to maybe a little bit more because it's so gradual, right? It just happens um, that I've really allowed myself to be all things at once and have the conversations that interest me that, Maybe they span the whole spectrum. Maybe somebody comes in on strategy. Maybe somebody else comes in with meditation and anxiety. Like it doesn't matter where we start because it's all useful. It's all helpful. Mm. So is your work now more business focused or is it more individual focused? It's more individual focused. It's, but I, I noticed that a lot of the people I still work with are still in business or they're in business and, and looking to start businesses. And that. That group of people in general, I think they have some really unique qualities, um, which is that they've actually put their money on the line of their own selves. And that means that self-development is now, it's, it's make or break. Whereas people who are still, um, who still have salaried positions, they might want the internal revolution just as much and the depth of meaning just as much, but the pressure isn't quite as intense, at least not from a financial perspective, even if it is emotionally. Um, so I, I noticed that a lot of people who own businesses tend to be in this, in this space of wanting to really live on purpose and live with meaning and intention about uh, around their purpose, because they, that's, that's why they're in business, right? Is to be themselves and to expand and to, to explore the limits of success just as an individual. Mm. So for our listeners, you know, a lot of the, a lot of our audience is on this journey. So they're digging deep. They are probably in the process of making that transition. What advice would you have for them? Um, they're not quite sure what their higher calling is and they're not quite sure of that next step. Yeah. There's two main things that, that I think are really valuable. And one is to, to know on a deep level that you already are your purpose. You're already mm -hmm. living it. So you're not missing out. If you don't know it intellectually, you're not missing anything. You can't, you can't like somehow forget to have a purpose. Mm. <laughs> Great point. Yeah. Like it's part of you. So even if you don't have it articulated let yourself off the hook about mm. having to find it or needing it in order to do the next big step in your life. It already is you. You already are it. Oh, take a deep breath. Mm. Great <laughs> point. Yeah. The second piece that I find to be really, really helpful um, is 
if we are curious about purpose, to look at that, what I call essential pain. So many of us have unessential pain, and that might be the feeling of rejection, the feeling of abandonment, the feeling of insecurity, of being not enough, the feeling of being afraid. And that essential pain to me is the flip side of the coin of your purpose, because I view purpose as an emotional spectrum. So often we are living our purpose every day because it is us. We can't get away from it, but we're living it through the lens of the essential pain. And so those fears and insecurities and worries that we have are actually our purpose playing out. So to me, the, the response to those is not to turn away and take them seriously in the sense that we buy into everything they say, but to realize, oh, this is the essential pain side of my purpose asking me to flip the coin. And so if I can sit in the face of this insecurity or fear and say, okay, this is my deepest wound, I'm going to do it anyway, or I'm going to learn from this and realize I can, I, I will, I have the ability. Now we're, we're taking our, our purpose in my lexicon of how I think about purpose, taking our purpose and turning it into meaningful action that actually moves us towards what we desire. So can you give me an example? So just a sort of for our listeners, um, eat, like I appreciate it's probably confidential, but I know when you and I spoke previously, you used your own life and your own pain. So I'd just love to love an example so our listeners can really understand what you're yeah. talking about. Happy to, happy to. So I'll just give a little bit of context so that you, you can actually do this at home. So the way I, I get clear on your soul's vision is very, very simple. We say, if you got to repaint the world over again, what would it look like? Reality does not apply. <laughs> and so I believe that each one of us, our soul is continually living in this ideal world that the soul sees. And we know that, you know, we've all had that experience where something happens in life and we're like, hey, that's not fair. Wait, it's not supposed to be like that. And I believe that's our soul's vision hitting up against this reality. So we want to articulate that soul's vision. So I do that just by asking, what would the world look like if you got to do it over again? Just brush it over again. Not that you're the big ruler. And I don't mean white picket fence in Malibu. I mean, like, how do people feel? How do they treat each other? And once we've got that, there's a linchpin to that ideal world. And that linchpin is this one feeling or one knowing. So in my ideal world, there's no violence. And so I ask myself, well, if there's no violence, what else is going on in that ideal world? Okay, well... People aren't grabbing at each other. People aren't fighting with each other. Okay, well then how do they have to feel? Like what must people feel in order to not go out of themselves to try to satisfy a feeling, a need? And I thought, oh, they have to feel like they're enough. They must know on a deep level that they're whole so that there's no hole to fill. And so to me, in my ideal world, that's what creates no violence. So at the core of my ideal world is this enoughness. And unsurprisingly, the flip side of that, that I experience in my life is not enoughness or pretty deep insecurity. And I spent the majority of my life in relationships, in family dynamics, in career, in coaching, in on all of it, really wallowing in the insecurity of I'm not enough. And my life experiences have, have given me plenty of opportunities to feel that, right? <laughs> like we just sort of keep going through these experiences and seeing them through the lens of our essential pain. And what, you know, having this framework, I had it in my head for years without actually really getting how to use it. And what I've really, really embodied now is that 
when something comes up that for me is feels like not enough. Mm. And these things, they feel very real, right? It's like a fight with my sister or um, a client says this or somebody rejects me. Like they feel really real. And, I, and, and in that moment, I feel the pain of it. And I go, oh, this is familiar, isn't it? Okay. What does this mean for me? And it's like, oh, it's touching into my deep, deep well of insecurity. But I don't have to stay there and believe it's true because the opposite is just as true. We can't have light without dark and we can't have being enough without being not enough. The concept doesn't, you know, they have to go together. So I can take those moments and ask myself, okay, well, how do I need to feel in myself in order to make this better? How would I respond if I was on the other side of the coin? You know, there's so many questions that people can ask and it's really related to the individual and the circumstance, but there's questions we can ask ourselves to take the lesson out of the pain and not take it as personally because it's just, it's just your essential pain. It's going to be there in one way or another in subtle ways in big ways as far as we go. But if we can zoom out a bit and realize that's just the lay of the land, we experience life through duality. And if we want to feel purpose and meaning, that means we've got to feel the opposite of purpose and meaning, right? The everything, the opposite of everything is meaningless is everything is meaningful. Like even that, so we can go through these existential crises and realize that's just that's just the way it goes. But I can ask him questions of myself that help me recenter on the light side. I know that was a lot a long explanation. Well, I'm trying to sort of pick through it to really kind of break it down for our listeners and for myself. So it's almost like your core wound essentially is how you see the world. So we will probably have a core wound yeah. that affects us and is blocking that sense of f- meaning and fulfillment. Would that be? Correct. <laughs> yeah, I find that most people we pick up. Yeah, I know it, it's it's way simpler than I've made it sound. But basically, I find that most people feel our light side of our purpose from us inherently. So most people, when they meet me, they know they what they get from me is confidence. They get just oh, she's really confident. But on the inside, I'm living on the on the shadow end. Yeah, I can on the essential wound end. And so what I what I've really discovered. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so what I've discovered is that, well, then that's not true, right? It's the lens that we're looking at things through. So if somebody was looking at us through the lens of insecurity, we would look very different. And if we were looking out through the eyes of confidence, we would look very different. So we can play with this lens that we're looking through and realize, in a sense, it's just just the, the goggles we've put on to view our life and to make sense of our life. Interesting. Interesting. I've never kind of heard it described like that so so you interesting interesting I've never kind of heard it described like that so so you not so I can totally relate to what, yeah. <laughs> I totally relate to what you're saying because um when you were saying about not being enough, like I have that total lens all the time, especially being in our industry, because it's like thought leader industry and, you know, and you, I'm always coming through the lens of, oh, they're amazing. You know, they're a different, putting people on a pedestal, whereas, you know, in effect, we are all the same. <laughs> so if we change that lens, that will obviously impact how we feel about our lives. Exactly. Exactly. Let me give you an example of a woman, uh, of a client of mine, because it's, it's an easy example to understand. So her purpose area is around acceptance and rejection. And many of us may relate to this. And everybody's 
purpose area points to generally the same feelings, but they're a slightly different flavor, right? Because the words mean something to you and the right words matter. So for this woman, it's acceptance, rejection. And so in our name, well, normal sessions or in our emails, she'll say, well, this happened and this happened and this happened and they keep rejecting me and keep, you know, it's this constant pain coming up. But because we have this framework of looking at it, we can see, yeah, that pain's just going to keep coming up until we actually know how to accept ourselves so fully that we don't see the world through that lens of rejection anymore. So her work is around accepting herself and not rejecting her own desire to speak, the things that she wants to share. So she's in a, in, in a, like a school situation. So she's like, well, I'm afraid to say this and I'm afraid to say that. And what if they don't like that I say this and they don't understand me. And it's like, okay, then we start with accepting of self. So the light side of her purpose is where her work is for herself. And every time this concept or this, you know, it's a real emotional pain of rejection comes up. It's an invitation to accept something about herself and her own life even more. Like, oh yeah, maybe I was trying to be friends with people who I didn't actually like because I was trying to be loved. Oh, I can accept that a deep part of me wants to be loved and feel safe. Oh, okay. You know, we can feel that. So it's really reflecting it back on our own selves so that we can do the work of discovering where we're denying ourselves our experience of our purpose, the light side of our purpose. Like, where am I denying myself the experience of being enough? Where is this client denying herself the experience of acceptance of herself? So it's almost bringing into our own consciousness an understanding of what our biggest or deepest wound is. And then when you become aware of that, you can stop it from impacting you living out your highest version of yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. I never thought about it that way, but yes. Thank you. Perfect. <laughs> that's that's my why, thing. <laughs> you know, we can get things out of it. We can get things out of purpose and, and strategy. We can get messaging. We can get ideal audience. We can get all of these really tangible business things out of your purpose and knowing your purpose. But the work is not those things. The work is how we then relate to ourselves in a really meaningful and deliberate way. And that we stop on the roller coaster of life. I call them drama tornadoes. You know, these things that stir up in our life that feel really important and like we just have to deal with them, but they they pull us in deep emotional ways that we, you know, stop letting the drama tornadoes take all of our attention and focus on gifting ourselves what what we need. Yeah, it's fascinating because it's a completely kind of different lens of a way of looking at meaning and fulfillment. But I really like it because as soon as the sooner we love and accept ourselves, that that's the kind of instant gratification, instant love, acceptance and meaning because we feel fully in ourselves, in embodying and loving ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, as a business owner, because we'll just be this total transparency here, as a business owner, it was very hard for me to work with other business owners who came in wanting a message that was going to help them build their business because then it's implied that the metric is financial success. But what I notice with clients, they come in for any number of reasons. And the metric that I use is, are you happy in your life when you leave? <laughs> and to me, that's, it's so valuable, but we underplay it, right? Because we think we want to be happy, but many of us would rather have money. <laughs> At least we think we're like, no, but I need the money to be happy. And it's like, well, but if we can get you to happy, 
Are you happy? And then it's a really interesting space to be in because when you're happy and you love yourself and you're in this beautiful relationship to yourself, the questions around money are different questions. And your questions around business are different questions. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's And then the timeline is a little bit slower because we love to let ourselves unfold because the moment is joyful. It's hard to imagine when we're in a space of like, yeah, but I need money. <laughs> but yeah. it's there. Yeah, and, and I, I, I can totally relate to it because I think if I look at my own life, how everything has shifted – like when you do shift out of your kind of bigger corporate job and then you're building your business, you know, there is a shift, especially financially. But I think that inner sense of fulfillment that you're getting from doing the things that you love on a daily basis just totally outweighs anything you could get from money. You know, you can't you can't replace it. And so you're living in this beautiful flow of life that you never had before because it was always pushing uphill. Yeah. Well, and for me, starting a business was the hardest thing. I've ever done, mostly because I didn't mean to own a business, but also because it it brought up a lot of questions about my own self-worth and my own confidence. And for many of us, when we're in the moment of doing the work, we feel very good. And then camera turns off, client goes away, and we feel very insecure. And that was that was definitely this back and forth for me for for years and years. And I felt like two personalities and mm. that the the me at home wasn't up to the task of the me that I was in the work. And that was very painful. It was very painful. And there were financial implications to that as well. Um, because I didn't necessarily believe my, my own abilities. Um, and this, this inner work of gifting myself enoughness, gifting mm-hmm. myself, my own confidence has really been my path out of that constant swinging and questioning and and really doing my own work <laughs> doing the things that I would say to other people I think it's really been um deeply impactful for me and mm-hmm. now I'm seeing how everything flows particularly financially but in every sense now that I am just being being mm-hmm. happy and being me and being in my work and not judging myself or questioning it mm. beautiful Beautiful. Oh, Alexis, thank you so much. I know our listeners will have got real value from this conversation. Really fascinating for me because obviously I come from purpose and um, from a kind of Dharma perspective. So it's a real different lens. And so I found it really interesting to, to see how you kind of, and I love this old idea of having this soul strategy or soul vision, you know, and working towards that. Um, but where can people find you? If they want to connect with you, where can they find you? Yes, I have two main sites. It's alexispierce.com, pretty simple, and also becominguniversity.com, which is where we do some of this deeper this deeper work. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I know we, we went really deep in the, deep in the depths <laughs> today, um, but the key pieces are you're living your purpose. You can't get yeah. it wrong. You yeah. can't get it wrong. Let yourself off the hook. And if, if you just feel a little bit happier over here, just go over there. <laughs> it's yeah. going to get better. Yeah, and I totally reiterate what you say because I think same this purpose is um, you know, people kind of what is it, what is it, what is it? Your soul has always been directing you and you've everything you've gone through up until this moment is perfect. You know, whenever whenever the kind of more opening of consciousness yeah. comes to you is the right time. You can't get this stuff wrong, you know. Just be nice to yourself and ha- be happy. <laughs> oh, well I want to thank you once again. Exactly, exactly. I love it. Thank you once oh, again well, thank for you coming once on Kitty Talks. Exactly. 
and um, thank you once again we will see you next week bye bye and um, we will see you next week with another amazing guest bye bye so how fascinating was that interview how we have a deep deep wound that effectively affects how we see the world and by working on ourselves by giving ourselves self-love we can change our view of the world and how our purpose shows up for us so I do hope you enjoyed that interview with Alexis I think she's a fantastic lady doing amazing work in the world please share like this video this interview please tell your friends please give us a five-star review on itunes by giving us a five-star review on itunes more people find us more people can do their dharma more people can find their purpose and make a difference on this this planet that is what we need only 13 percent of the world at the moment are engaged on a daily basis with what they are doing how sad is that the only way we're going to shift consciousness on this planet is to get people to do their dharma. So please let people know about this podcast and we will see you again next week on Kitty Talks. This podcast was sponsored by my Do Your Dharma course. Create a life so good that you pinch yourself. This eight-week online course demystifies dharma and shows you how to tune in to why you're really here. Go to www.kittytalks.com forward slash do your dharma.